It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. And with me in the KFG studios, as always, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Are there some financial decisions that are more important than others? That if you get a small financial decision wrong, that it's easy to recover from, but making a mistake on a crucial financial decision can have bigger consequences. That answer is obviously yes. But what are these crucial financial decisions and how do you make sure you get them right? That and more on this episode of Wise Money. That's right. Crucial. We'll define that as well and then get into those most important financial decisions. We're helping with that right now. This, uh, that's you know, hopefully we've got time for questions. I'm thinking in the fourth segment, guys, maybe if not, uh, you know, we try to address questions that come up on the YouTube channel or that are emailed to us. So you can do so a few different ways. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. There's a section right there where you can submit a question. It goes right to me. We will get back to you. And then all over social media, that's where most of the questions come from. Find us uh, wherever you're at on social media. Just search The Wise Money Show. All right. A few episodes ago, had a few of our favorite health insurance experts. Ben Bolgreen, new uh, future kind of all-star here at KFG, uh, rising star. And then Craig Weicker. And we were talking about Medicare and the typical surprises that come up and I kind of realized to set the stage, Medicare is a decision you got to get right. It's yeah. a crucial financial decision. And it sort of took me back to um, a, a book and, and some study on crucial conversations. And the authors of that content said uh, a crucial conversation is one where, it's, where stakes are high, emotions run strong, can be differing opinions, and severe consequences, negative consequences if it goes wrong. And if we apply that same definition, I think there's a handful of crucial financial decisions as well. That a, I, you know, I, uh, I started uh, my day with a coffee from Starbucks. Okay, that was a decision. Is that a crucial decision? Nah, you know, I, I probably not. Probably not. Uh, where you know, high stakes, and if you get it wrong, big consequences. But you know, selecting the wrong thing with Medicare, that that'd be huge. Stakes are high. There are different opinions. There's different choices. And then if you get it wrong, there could be big, big consequences. So you following? That's the, what are the financial decisions that meet that definition? Right. I mean, you're kind of talking about some of these are irrevocable decisions yeah. or difficult to, to backtrack on or to undo. And so that's a, that's a big deal. That's kind of the high stakes portion. The emotions running high, you might be like, well, boy, how emotional do you get about certain things? Well, you and your spouse may view the world so differently and and really put completely different priorities or, or decision-making processes so different that it could be a source of conflict. That's a crucial type of decision for yeah. sure. Yep. So these, these are the big ones that uh, you and your spouse may struggle with. And by definition, these are, are probably some of the most important decisions to get help with as well. 
you know, we, we say that the, the best decisions are made in the context of a financial plan and usually with a certified financial planner walking with you to help cut through some of the emotion and to sort through the options and help make sure you don't make a mistake on these really big ones. So in addition to Medicare and that big choice, the most important health insurance decision you'll make in your life. The top five that I that 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 I kind of went through here, we're gonna we're gonna go through right now. And the first one is when to retire. That that just seemed at the top of the list. When to retire is a crucial decision. So guys, let's just unpack that a little bit. Why is this crucial? Give some examples, maybe uh, of some differing opinions, but then also, how do you make sure you get this decision right? Well, to me, you know, retiring when you're financially ready is going to set you up for the the most enjoyable retirement. But there's a lot of folks that, um, you know, in the past couple of years, they maybe felt a little bit forced into retirement before they were fully ready. Uh, thankfully, this is one that some people are kind of walking back. You know, maybe you went into retirement and you're coming back out of the workforce for a little while longer. You still have something left in the tank. You have something left to give. But uh, most people, they retire one time, not not two or three times. That's the goal. Right. Yeah. So it, it's often difficult to step out of the workforce for a period and then come back in and be at your same pace and your aim, same sharpness and skill level and everything. And of course, it all depends on what industry you're in. But the ability to undo it is a, is a big deal. But a lot of times you don't know that you retired too early or you weren't quite ready until you get deep into retirement. Right. You know, you find out that you didn't have enough money for retirement when you're in your 80s or 90s and it's difficult to do anything about it. And so how you enter into retirement and the game plan, the confidence that you have needs to be solid before you take the big step. And, and it's one of the reasons why we do say that retirement is often the primary reason that people come to seek a financial advisor if they've never done so earlier in their life. And the interesting thing to me is that there are a lot of folks that make that decision and then will call a financial planner yeah. and say, hey, I'm retiring in three months or I'm retiring in six months and I need you to help me with all of my stuff. Emotions run strong, right? This is oftentimes an emotional decision. I can't wait to get out of here or I've got, I've had folks that have said that picked their retirement date because of a, of a golf league when that's starting. It's, it's emotional. And then (laughs) to back, to, to back into it with, all right, help me make this happen. Help me make this possible. Uh Even though they haven't been planning all along. Yeah. I, I remember early in my career, I was working with a client and I I showed him hey you're I think he was 57 and I said look in your current situation if you will just work two more years you'll be totally set because he had a pension that his pension would have grown everything would have grown for two more years mm-hmm. and and he would have been set at 59 that's that makes him an outlier most folks can't oh, retire yeah. at 59 right, right. so uh, good for him. He said, listen, I just need to be done. I can't do it anymore. And I'm happy to be, I've always, I've always wanted to be, uh, like a cook or a chef or a short order cook, whatever it is. And so I'll, I'll do that on the side and I'll make as much money as I need to supplement whatever I'm short. And so, um, I think he's approaching 80 now. 
And so for the last 23 years, he's worked. And he's done a variety of different jobs. He thought he had this great plan, right? He'd always thought, hey, I'd like to be some sort of a chef uh, or what have you. But he found that in in doing that food preparation, he had to constantly wash his hands and it would make his hands crack and, and oh, yeah. He, yeah. He, he couldn't his 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 body wouldn't hold up to it. Yeah. So he did then a, a number of different jobs, none of them coming anywhere near where he was when he was working in his uh, first career. As far as earning capacity and everything. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So he's now that's okay that was his choice and he's okay with that. So I'm not in, yeah, in exactly. any way, shape or form making a value judgment. But I, I think if if you take the emotion out of it and say, would I rather stick it out for two more years or would I rather uh, do a little bit for 23 years? Yeah. I don't know. I'd probably take the two. Yeah. But knowing, right? N- knowing mm-hmm. that up front and, and kind of uh, managing the emotion. So the big idea, if this is this, this one's obvious, guys, this is a crucial financial decision when to retire. How do you make sure you get it right? It's that five factor retirement plan. What we talk about so often and I've had uh, folks, I'll, I'll share a story in a, in a bit. But if you're not taking a five factor retirement plan approach to determine whether you're ready to retire and you're on track, it's likely you're going to make a bad decision with a crucial decision. All right. What are the other crucial decisions? How do you make great decisions? We're going to help you with that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What are those financial decisions that are more important than others that you've got to get right? You can't make a mistake so that you can have long-term balance and financial success. We're helping you identify and plan for those right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, Wherever you're at, we are there as well. Five crucial financial decisions. Stakes are high. Emotions run strong. You've got different choices. And then making a mistake could have significant consequences, negative consequences. So what are the financial decisions that fit that, that, uh, that, that definition? Okay. First is when to retire. And a five-factor retirement plan and going through that process and ideally early, a decade or more before you retire, a couple decades, so that you can figure out what you need to do to get on track so it's no surprise. And then you can manage the trade-offs as life evolves and changes. That's the approach that you need to take. Those five factors are when you retire, right? But then how much are you spending? And then inflation and healthcare and and all that sort of stuff. And then what are your income sources? So optimizing Social Security. Will you have a pension? Is there any part-time income? Do you have other income sources? How much do you have saved up and how much are you saving? And then how much investment risk are you taking and comfortable taking? And how does that evolve and shift over time? Had an individual early in my career who said, uh, I'm able to retire when I have saved up a million bucks. And we did all the planning and said, no, there's more to it than that. And similar to Kevin's story, I'd wait a couple of years and now nah, it was when I have a million bucks and, and they were isolated. They were emotionally focused on one of the five factors and ultimately led them to make, um, potentially, you know, a, a, a choice with consequences. Okay. Mm-hmm. So building that five factor retirement plan as unemotional as possible, and then managing through that as life evolves, that's the way to get this crucial decision, right? 
That's right. And you're describing a fantastic conversation to be having with your certified financial planner, uh, the, those trade-offs of the five factors. I just met with a client this week, and we were reviewing his retirement uh, forecast. And he he wants to retire in 10 years, but his his forecast is showing only a 75% probability of success. We like to be in the 85 to 90%. And so we looked at what are the things that he could do differently, could spend a little bit less. But the number one factor that was going to have the best impact for him was just working one more year. Mm. Mm-hmm. And one more year, as Kevin was saying in the last segment, it lets you save a little bit longer. It lets you prolong the date that you're tapping into your retirement accounts. He would have a bigger Social Security check when he retires later, and uh, his mortgage would be completely gone mm-hmm. at that 11th year or whatever. And so um, to, to me, one more year might not sound like a whole lot, and that's the point. It doesn't take a huge shift always on when you retire to have a big impact. And for him, it meant the difference between mar- marching into retirement with a high confidence rate or one that was eh, a little sketchy. All right. So that was the easy one. That was the obvious one. Crucial financial decisions. Number one, when you retire. Now, the second one might not be as obvious, and that is how much house to buy or which house to buy. And let's just go into retirement just a second. Wait, guys, what's, what's your largest expense in retirement? Healthcare. Healthcare is what most people think, and it's up there. However, the most, the biggest expense you're going to have in your lifetime in retirement is your housing. When you look at property taxes, when you look at maintenance, when you look at, uh, yes, absolutely, Kevin can shake his head, and I know you probably are too. The data says it's housing. Think about it while you're working. What's your biggest expense? Amazon. Children. <laughs> yeah, children. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's your housing, right? And the joke that I make, speaking of children, is when you have a child, you've got to build a few different budgets to plan ahead, and you're going to enter. You've got to add in your second largest expense, second only to your mortgage, and that's child care. No, your largest expense while you're working is your mortgage, and then you think about all the utilities and everything that are all connected. They're 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 correlated with the house that you purchase. The property taxes, Kevin, that's the mortgage that's never paid. That's correlated to where you live. The amount of upkeep and maintenance. Uh, Insurance premiums. Exactly. So it. so it has a gravitational pull on your financial life, the house that you pick. It's yeah. very emotional. Right? And, and the key is, you know, when, when you're locking yourself into a, a specific house, there's a certain number of payments that are also not going to shift. You, you just rattle off a bunch of them. But the mortgage itself... You know, you don't get to choose some months to make the mortgage payment and others not. You don't get to choose whether or not to fix that leaky roof or deal with, you know, the the home maintenance issues that come up. You've got to replace the water heater when it it goes bad. And the the amount of house, the expensiveness of the house, the size of the house is going to determine the the expenses that come along with it. And you know, I'm, I'm reminded of one of the earliest books that Kevin encouraged me to read in my career, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Refer to it all the time. And, you know, he, the, the author defines a liability as something that creates expenses in your life, and an asset is something that creates uh, income for you in your life. That's a totally different definition of asset versus liability that most people would use. But when you think of it that way, your house how much liability are you going to bring on your own own shoulders is a really crucial conversation because it may be squeezing out other things in your life. 
You know, you may have made the decision, well, that mortgage payment, it fits in the budget. But what did it cause to not fit in the budget is also a question. Yeah. And, and what often gets squeezed out are the long-term goals that you haven't preserved enough margin to be able to go, go pursue. That, that, that's right. That's the danger. The, the mortgage is an important expense that's urgent. It's always urgent. And when income fluctuates or it changes during economic downturns or whatever, you can't just say, all right, I'm going to stop paying the mortgage or I'm going to reduce what I'm, I'm paying on my mortgage by 20%. Typically, the thing that gets sacrificed is those other important things, but that aren't urgent, those long-term savings. So how much house to buy? Get that right and work with a certified financial planner because it's, it's emotional to determine how much house you can afford and also not be house poor, but also achieve your other financial goals. Yep, and I would I would add to that because I I would put an asterisk next to the this my my biggest expense in retirement is housing. I would say if that's going to be if if it's possible that be true for you, I would figure out a way to manage your housing expense mm-hmm. in retirement. Yeah, I'm looking at the graph right now because I knew I knew I knew you were gonna <laughs> bring it up. Uh, Guide to Retirement, J.P. Morgan uh, puts this out every year. And yeah, largest largest segment is housing, includes mortgage. Because if you think about that, right, and I say if it includes mortgage, so this is where, I mean, goal setting, goal achievement, what should I want to do before I retire? For some folks, it might make sense to have that mortgage paid off before you retire. Yep. yep. So that, that might be one of your main financial goals and something that you intentionally put between you and retirement and say, hey, I'm motivated to retire. I will do it when the mortgage is paid off. Third crucial financial decision, I'm cheating because it's sort of two in one, and that is how much you save for retirement and when you start. How Hmm. much you save and when you start. If you'll allow me to combine those together, I'm saying that's crucial. A lot at stake because, Josh, the formula for wealth is? How much cash can you put towards the long-term goal? How much risk are you willing to accept in the way that you invest it? And then I think to your point, how much time mm-hmm. do you allow it to be able to grow over over uh, you know your your working career? Now, because it, it sounds impressive to say, you know, I'm sacrificing so much, I'm saving fifty percent of my income to retirement. Well, that's fantastic. But if you're sixty two and you didn't start that until age sixty, you're not going to get there. You're not going to get there. But if you take the easy route and say, well, I'm not, you know, I've got a lot of things. I'm young. I'm just getting started. I got a lot of priorities. Turns out I don't even need to sign up for my 401k. I'm just auto-enrolled at 6%. I'll just do that. That's fine. And you leave it there, you're not going to get there. You're Mm -hmm. not going to get there as well. So crucial financial decision number three is how much to save for retirement and when to start. We're going to put a little bit more perspective on that and then share other crucial financial decisions so you get those right. That and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. When to start saving and how much you start saving for retirement. It's one of the crucial financial decisions in your life. How do you make sure you get that right? And what are the other crucial decisions? We've got that and more. We're hitting right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. 
every episode of the Wise Money Show, plus bonus content, plus next wise step videos, all sorts of content on the YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there. You can leave questions there. You can catch other content as well. So once you subscribe, turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop new content. All right. So third crucial, I almost said crucial conversation, crucial financial decision. Okay. Crucial financial decisions where stakes are high. It's very important. It's not just buying a cup of coffee or where to go out to eat. It's, it's, stakes are high. Emotions run strong. And so opinions vary. And gosh, well, that qualifies where do we want to go to eat? <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever gotten in that argument before? <laughs> All right, fine. That's it. We'll just stay home. Peanut butter and jelly is. Uh, and then significant financial consequences. And yeah, you know what? If we're on that joke. You have that conversation wrong. <laughs> there could be big consequences. I will tell you. Know that from experience. So, But what are the financial decisions? High stakes differing choices, emotions run strong, and big financial consequences, when and how much to start start saving for retirement is definitely one of those. For sure. You know, my mind went to the, the amount that you save for the future, for retirement, is it's basically putting a governor on how much you spend today, right? If you're setting aside 15% of every dollar that you earn, by definition, you're saying, hey, I'm going to live off the other 85% today. And what you spend today is is a pattern in time, uh, you know, th- throughout your your working career. And when you get out to retirement, a lot of people they just kind of keep spending in the same pattern that they're used to. Those that are frugal in retirement, they're frugal because they've been frugal their whole working career. Those that live close to the edge in retirement, they've been doing that all along as well. And the higher you let your spending go during your working career, the more you ultimately need for retirement. Oh, right? gosh. This, you're, you're, you're talking about the Bernard Paradox. You remember when I named this thing? You guys remember this? So listen, here's the thing. I'm going to rename I, that, I, by I've the got way. This, I've got this um, kind of grimace on my face because, okay, if you're frugal and don't spend a lot of money, you've got more to save up while you're working. Okay, You can save up more for retirement. But because you don't have a big lifestyle, you actually don't even need that much saved up. But think about it. So that's great. That's great news on both sides. But think about the opposite. The more you spend while you're working, the less you're able to save. But the more you spend while you're working, the more you need to have saved up in order to have a successful retirement. It's the paradox here. Mm. Bernard paradox. Uh, or you're in a for term. a really rude awakening when you step into retirement. Right. You're going to have to reduce your lifestyle significantly. Dramatically. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm. So, Kevin, you would want to add an honorable mention here. Now, go back to... Josh's formula for wealth. How much cash can you throw at it? So how much are you saving? Mm -hmm. How much time do you give it? So when do you start? But then risk. Kevin, you've said one of the biggest financial decisions you make in your life is your investment allocation. Mm-hmm. And that that's a that you so know, how much risk you take? Yeah, part that's of that it's, formula. It's, yeah. that's that's a that's a maybe jargon. that's jargon. Yeah, it's a stodgy way of saying it. But if you've ever sat across the table from someone who's been a high earner for many years and they uh, bring, they brought to their appointment their 401k statement, which they've been investing in over a 20-plus year period, and it says uh, return, lifetime return on this account, it starts with a point zero. Yeah. yeah. And you look and you say, well, what did they do? They uh, 
they sold at at the bottom and bought at the top and then when they when when I was looking at it I'm like well this is in the money market account fund you have a couple hundred grand in your money market account fund and they said I do well I guess I didn't realize that yeah and and it would be easy to not realize this if you uh, get detached from your financial life. But yeah. this is the most important thing, especially with your retirement account, because that's the long term. Set it and forget it. Do not mess with that that thing. Because yeah. there's always going to be the guy in the office, in the shop, in the whatever, uh, who says, well, yeah, you know, the last time the market was up, I sold. And then, uh, you know, at the bottom there in, in the end of June, I bought. and, and uh, But now it's up. No, no, I just sold and bought. And I, mean, I can't believe how much money I made. Look, it, it, it's not true. It's not true. Those are fish stories. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And so, so it is the most important thing, and especially based on um, your age, your time horizon. Some people, some people emotionally – can't handle risk, and risk is a tricky thing because you really most people don't know how much risk they can handle until they're in the middle of it and they say, "I can't do this." This is mm-hmm. why the the right. risk tolerance questionnaire is such an awful yeah. Anyway, it, it's but it, it I don't know. I I think you're kind of sharing a story of someone who maybe not intentionally, but their behavior was that they were ultra ultra conservative with their investments. No, 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 no. This is the thing. Just not paying attention and and periodically tuned in. When do you tune into your investments? Yeah. When the when the market is horrible. Right. When else do you tune tune in? When the market's on a tear. And so, what do you do when 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 the market's horrible? Well, you sell. And what do you do when it's on a tear? You buy. And that's why the Dalbar study says, you know, the the market averages ten percent, and the average investor averages three to four percent. You're like, well, how can that be? How can the average investor do three to four percent when the market's doing ten? Because of it's not, it isn't about investment performance. It's about investor behavior. So you're saying that story was someone who was moving in and out, and they had moved out and never got back in. Right, but but that and and here's the thing: you don't have to do that a bunch of times over a twenty plus. Yeah year period of time and and you have to take uh you know take a loan against it do a a distribution a hardship distribution and 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 a few other things and your 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 retirement plan ends up being not much of a plan that's right i i've seen stories i i thought what you were describing was someone who just by their nature and by their choice, they stayed so conservative that they never gave themselves a shot to even get any kind of true compound growth over time. Mm-hmm. And you know, those those who get it right in preparing for retirement, you get there to the edge of retirement, you've got this big nest egg. Most of the nest egg is growth. And some of it is the money that they saved and accumulated out of their paycheck. Right. Because their little dollars, their little contributions started compounding and growing. And before you know it, you're getting growth on top of growth. And then that growth on top of growth was growing. And it just snowballs in your favor as long as you're willing to stomach a little bit of up and down in the stock market and uh, or, or the investment world in, in general. And uh, so I, I agree with you that um, choosing a sensible mix of investments that you can ride through the ups and the downs is one of the most critical decisions because 
it's it's one of those elements of the the formula, right? You have to have some risk involved, otherwise, no risk, no returns. It, yeah. You can almost say it that clearly. I was also I was just trying to look up the data. I couldn't couldn't quite find it, but there's all sorts of studies that the very best days in the market typically come near the very worst days in the market. Volatility mm-hmm. goes both ways, okay? But all these studies show that if you miss the top 10, and I just saw one recently, going back 20 years, the stock markets return on average you know, near 10%, 9-10%. But if you miss the 10 best days during that time period, then your average annual return dropped to like 6%. Mm-hmm. Something like, and, and yeah. I'm just, I'm approximating here. Yeah. But so that means if you were trying to avoid some bad days, you missed the great days and in missing the great days your average performance dropped significantly all right what are the other crucial financial decisions you've got to get right that more coming up on the wise money show with corhorn financial group this is wise money with corhorn financial group Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen, just search the Wise Money Show. Subscribe to it. Follow us there and rate the program as well. We appreciate that feedback. Talking about crucial financial decisions. Those financial decisions that meet this criteria. Stakes are high. Okay, it's It's important. It's not should you get a coffee or not. It's not... You know, should you shop? Should you buy that shirt today or not? It's, stakes are high. Second, emotions run strong, meaning there's different choices. And emotionally, you might be attracted to one choice and your spouse or someone else might suggest a different choice, okay? And then third, getting it wrong, huge consequence. So there's some sort of permanence to this decision. We've said Medicare is one of those, what you do with Medicare, when to retire, okay? How much house to buy, when and and how much to start contributing to retirement. The fourth one is whether you fund your retirement with pre-tax or with Roth dollars. Now, in almost every situation, I wouldn't argue this is a drastic mistake that you can't recover from. Like buying the wrong house, retiring at the wrong, at, at the wrong time. Those are sometimes not recoverable. No, simply saving up the right amount is, is, is great posturing. However, we see instances where people have been in a very little tax bracket and they're saving up pre-tax. And, and, or they're in a high tax bracket and losing some tax credits and they're still doing Roth. And so I would, I would put this on there, not one to dwell on, but just that you need to make an informed decision. And once you're funding it, it's sort of, permanent. You kind of can't go back. You can flip money from pre-tax to Roth by doing a Roth conversion, but getting back that compound interest and all of that, that's that's tricky to do. So make sure that this is an intentional decision that you make in your life. Any Anything else you guys would share with this one? No, th- this one is just kind of top of mind for me because I was meeting with a client uh, just this week who was asking me, he, he's just kind of making small talk, but he, he asked a question Hey, how much does the typical or the average retiree really need to have accumulated for retirement? And of course, that's an impossible question to answer because of what we were talking about in the last segment. It depends on how much someone's spending and what their real needs are and everything. But you know, I was kind of seeing through the question. I, I think he was looking for some sort of a benchmark. How, how am I doing? 
right? Yeah. How, how do I measure up? How do I compare? And I pointed out one of the strengths that this particular client had was about half of their portfolio was in Roth accounts and half was in traditional accounts. And I was kind of um, forecasting down the road what that's going to do for them when they get to retirement. And it ultimately gives them so much more choice and so much more flexibility on how they draw money out of their accounts in retirement. Are they tapping into the, the taxable dollars first when they're in a low tax bracket? Are they hitting uh, the, the Roth dollars when they need some tax-free income? The ability to get that ratio just right every single year is really powerful when you have that choice. And it's just... it's harder. It's, it's kind of a bummer sometimes when people get into retirement and they have only traditional dollars because there are some years that they end up paying you know, potentially more in taxes than what they ever intended to because they need the money, but every dollar that comes out is going to have tax consequences for them. Yeah. When you've got Roth and traditional together, you have more flexibility. So to, to me, this really is a function of you deciding very intentionally long before retirement what kind of experience are you going to have? And in doing so, you're really trying to limit how much money are you going to bleed in the form of taxes throughout your lifetime. Yep. Yep. And with the Secure Act 2.0 coming down the pike, it's there's going to be a big deal about employee education and participant outcomes. So there are really five factors when you're approaching your retirement plan at work. And this is super important because we serve literally thousands of participants in employer retirement plans. And one of the risks is is that you don't have help in making these decisions. There's really five decisions that you need to make when it comes to your retirement plan. One is, do I do it pre-tax or post-tax? Yep. So do, do I do it traditional or do I do it Roth? The other, and I'm going to circle back to that one, but the other ones are, how much do I put in? The next one is the most important financial decision you'll ever make in your life, and that's where do I put it <laughs> as, as far that's as right. asset allocation goes. I need to have my beneficiaries uh, uh-huh. listed on my account, and what is my rebalance schedule? But if you go back to the pre-tax slash post-tax decision, there are a lot of folks who are paying zero federal taxes and putting money into a retirement plan pre-tax. Well, if I'm putting money in, if I'm currently in a zero federal tax situation and I'm putting money in pre-tax, that means at a future date, I'll pull that money out and pay taxes on it when I could have put it to work after tax and have it grown tax-free. Mm-hmm. So this is, this, is a, this is a big deal. But right? This is also auto-enrollment is, is a feature, and it's a great feature. It's helped so many people make a mediocre financial decision. Uh, <laughs> Which is better than not making one at all. Correct, correct. But I think the 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 uh, just be careful with because auto enrollment. Mm-hmm. I'm not signing up for my 401k. I'm just automatically putting it in there. I just think of how many human resource professionals make that sound great and actually tell someone this is what's going to happen. You don't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. And those folks is that is that auto enrollment in pre tax or Roth, Kevin? It's pre-tax, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. And so, but at that time, if you're starting your first job and you've never saved up in retirement, odds are you're in a lower tax bracket. And in the future, you're going to make more money. So it's that auto enrollment time, that season, 
where you probably should be doing the Roth. Right. And you put on autopilot one of the most important, crucial financial decisions. Because you are make. actually, if, you, if there's an employer match, currently the only way your employer match can come to you is pre-tax. Secure Act 2.0. Right, could so, be so that, that. that could be changing. But if you think about that, if you select to do the Roth side uh, with your contributions, you're going to have Roth money, and then your employer contribution is the pre-tax or traditional money. So you you are building tax diversification within your retirement plan, mm-hmm. and it's actually pretty amazing the technology that lets these different these retirement plans put these dollars into different buckets and grow them separately. I'm I'm on a soapbox here with auto enrollment. I'm sorry, guys. It is good, but there it's are fabulous. just significant flaws with it, and you can't assume that it's perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, just just being aware. All right. Fifth, fifth most important crucial financial decision, and this one is like it's a it doesn't fit perfectly, but if it applies to you, oh my goodness, yeah. this would have been the most important financial decision you could have made, and this is not having adequate insurance coverage. Now, the same risk doesn't appear for each person. We all share similar financial risks, but the the event doesn't happen for each person. So is the event for you a car accident? Is the event for you um, a premature death? They're all premature, by the way. But uh, is, is the event for you a disability? Is the event for you nursing home or needing some assistance? What was that risk event and were you properly covered? Josh, you paid one month of homeowner's insurance premium before you had a substantial claim. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so you think about that. I think about the individual who had their second child or third child, I can't remember, and um, a month after the child was born, found themselves in the emergency room and the child's fighting for their life, mm-hmm. but they had forgotten to communicate to HR within two weeks that to, to add the child to the health insurance. Wow. You know, it, so it's the risk. That, so the fifth most crucial financial decision is your risk management decisions. Do you have adequate insurance in place before the event occurs? I'm not talking about um, Apple Care. <laughs> Those are, you know, it, high risk that you're going to drop your phone. And, yeah, it's not a fun financial expense, but it's not going to ruin you financially. Mm-hmm. But not having disability insurance coverage in place and then all of a sudden having an issue, that could wreck you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, none of us know whether or not we're going to have a tragedy in life, right? Whether that's a disability where you get conked on the head and you can't work the rest of your life. Boy, you you talk about a tragedy in the sense of the financial hit to your family is is almost unrecoverable for, for a lot of people. Uh, at least when you compare uh, where you're at now to where you previously, the, the path you were on. Uh, losing a spouse or early on, you, you talk about a tragedy. Um, and, and that can have major, not only emotional ramifications for the surviving spouse and kids and so on, but also it sets them on a completely different course, a, a different trajectory now uh, because of that one event, unless you had planned ahead for it. And, and I... I say plan ahead, not like, hey, we're going to mark our calendar and, we, you know, we know this day's coming. No, it's just living with adequate protection in place so that if you are the unfortunate one out of many thousands 
to have this event occur, it doesn't have to completely unravel your your entire financial life. Mm-hmm. And so this really is a, a question of risk management or protection planning is the area of financial planning that this this pertains to. And it's not that we are, are big proponents of spend lots of money on insurances. Yeah. No, actually, we want you to spend as little as possible on insurance while maintaining protection over your overall plan. Because chances are, if given enough time, you're going to do the right things with your certified financial planner, you're going to achieve your goals, and you're going to hopefully take hold of that ideal future that you've been envisioning for yourself. But what if it doesn't work that way? How do you make it so that all of that doesn't just go up in smoke if the wrong event occurs? And so we, we want to make sure that you have the right coverage in place, the right amount, and that you're not spending too much on it. In, uh, I was 12. Get the call. I woke up for school. Brother's already up. Mom's up. We get the call. Mom answers the phone and starts crying. And it sort of drops to her knees, and I we're worried. I'm eating my, I don't know, probably some sugary O's or whatever. <laughs> and I, what happened is my dad, who was driving to Detroit that morning for work and hit an ice patch and spun into oncoming traffic, got in a car accident, went down a hill and all that. Somehow he made it out alive. And um, and he was okay. And it was scary. And but we were so grateful. There was a hedge around his life that day because that sort of thing, you know, easily could have resulted a lot worse. Yeah. Fast forward, I'm his financial advisor, all that sort of stuff. My parents never had life insurance. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And that little event could have changed the course of our uh, of of our lives, right? Sure. Of course, it would have emotionally, but financially as well. They didn't have life insurance. And so proactively evaluating what sorts of risks are out there that you should put a hedge around and get some protection in place and making an intentional decision. That's one of the most crucial financial decisions in your in your life. Social Security, there's a few other things that we left on the bone, but those are the top five. Work with your CFP on those. That's all the time we have for today. I may have a Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. We have been told, wish by fans that these each microphone had a different speed. So, I, because I talk at a different speed, and Josh talks at a different speed, Kevin talks at a different speed. It's a good idea. Invent it. And uh, for for both my fans out there, I am trying. <laughs> I have been trying to talk faster. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.